Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Well, good morning, CityWalk Church. How's it going out there? Oh, it's good to see you all. Welcome to church in the building here. We're so glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for joining us. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Josh. I actually serve here at uh, City Walk Church as the next generation pastor. Really what that means is uh, I get to work with all of the kids from nursery all the way up through high school. And so that's one of the joys I get to do on a weekly basis, whether it's Wednesday nights here with our middle school and high school students or all the way over here on City, uh, and City Kids on Sunday morning. And if you didn't know, we have a lot going on in our next gen ministry. So real quick, we have a city sports camp. How many of you have registered for city sports camp? Anybody, a bunch of you, uh, the kids have registered. If you don't know what it is, it's a week long sports camp and it's from July 18th to the 22nd. And it's actually free. It's free for you to sign up and it's for first through fifth grade. So if you're interested in coming to that, we actually only have 11 spots left. So if you're interested and your kids are coming, there's 11 spots. So you may want to register as fast as you can. And uh, it's a $10 registration fee. But once you get there the first morning, they will hand that $10 back to you uh, just because we want to make sure we're uh, saving spots for the right people. Also, uh, you may have noticed the uh, sugar in the air. I don't know if you've noticed that as you walked in. Uh, You're probably thinking to like, this is like going to the gym and they have pizza, right? It's like, I've already eaten breakfast. Leave me alone. All of that money is going toward our high school and middle school student ministry, our, our, our mission trip here in a few weeks. And if you didn't know, some of our high school and middle school students are uh, going to Las Vegas for a missions trip. And uh, as the next generation pastor, I just want to kind of share my heart with you of why we go to um, a mission trip and not to camp. Because usually what students are doing in summertime is they're going to camp, and I don't have anything against camp, it's, it's great. Uh, but one of the things I'm passionate about is getting students to see a need above themselves and for them to get into the they get into the community and serve. And so uh, this summer, they're going to Las Vegas. We're partnering with a ministry called The Hub. And, uh, and so all of the money that, you, that goes to uh, that is going to go to our students who are leaving. Uh, actually, the day after sports camp ends, we're going to drive all the way to Las Vegas and serve there with a ministry called The Hub, feeding homeless, um, working with... Um, foster homes and different things like that. So all the money is not going to go to just logistics, although some of that's going to go to our gas. You know, that's uh, kind of a big thing now. Uh, some of that's going to go to our gas, but I just want to encourage you, um, our students are going to come back changed. They're going to come back different because they saw a need and they were the ones to fill it. And we're praying that that happens here in our city because they went to Las Vegas and did it. So uh, as you walk out, there's a few different things you can, uh, you can grab. And so anything above and beyond what it actually costs, again, goes to all the students. And we split it evenly between the one that have served. So, all right, next generation meeting over. Thank you for coming to that. Uh, we're gonna jump in uh, to the book of James. We're in James chapter two. And uh, I wanna thank Rob for last week. Rob 
went into James chapter 1 and kind of walked through what truth looks like, what we're supposed to do with truth, how we're supposed to apply it to our life and actually live it out. And so Rob mentioned that last week, and we're going to jump into James chapter 2, which is a passage that when you look at it, it's kind of like, man, I didn't think this kind of stuff still happened. And maybe James was just talking to the original church you know, the church is scattered abroad, and I didn't realize this stuff still happened, um, but it, uh, it actually does. And so one of the things we want to talk about is we want to talk about favoritism and partiality. And I know you're like, whoo, yes, favoritism and partiality. It's really applicable to us today. Favoritism and partiality. Before we jump into the scripture, I want to just tell you a quick story. So um, I was, me and Pastor Chris and Pastor Luke and uh, my son and Pastor Chris's son, we actually went to a, a San Francisco Giants game. And so this was a couple months back and, and we were going to the game. And before the game, we got there a little early and we wanted to kind of eat at a restaurant. So on the way to uh, walk into the stadium, we stopped at a, a pretty nice restaurant. Uh, we walked in and I was like, oh man, there's like really nice tablecloths and you know, there's like nice napkins and it's just, uh, we, I don't know, like my son, he's, he's, oh, he's 13 tomorrow, by the way, shout out, he's 13 tomorrow, but uh, he, he's probably, this, most of the stuff here comes out of the ocean, he doesn't really eat anything out of the ocean unless it's deep fried, which they don't really do that, and so we are sitting down at this restaurant, I'm looking at the menu going, oh. I just went to McDonald's. Like, this is $35. It's and, and up and farther and farther. And you look and you're like, okay, well, uh, what are the appetizers here? I wonder what those look like. And so uh, we sat down at the app with the appetizers, and the waiter comes over and he is looking at us and he's like, there's about six of us, and he goes, Welcome, guys. We're so glad you're here. And he is just chit chatting it up with us. And hey, let me tell you about the special with the seared mahi, with the you know, tomato puree and the potato puree. And we're in my head, I'm going, Oh boy, I'm gonna have to tell this dude I want wings and water. (laughs) He is gonna be so mad, he's gonna be so frustrated with us because he's thinking to himself, hey, listen, most most people that walk into this room, I get probably a 50 to $70 tip. So he's like banging away on the specials and desserts and all these things. And then so we go around and I order wings um, and then water and then Chris orders wings and water and Chris's son orders wings and water, and oh, I think actually he got it, yeah, and then Luke saved us. Luke ordered, I think, a Coke and a po- and pasta, <laughs> like, I think Luke saved us. But how it went is that the, the waiter was so excited to see us, but after we ordered, I didn't see him again. He didn't come back. I, I, I wish I could, I, I, he, and I'm not trying to hate on waiters or waitresses, I know that their livelihood rests on not very much pay, but big tips, right? And so when we, we, we ordered, he realized, I'm gonna go spend time at another table that's probably gonna be more beneficial to me, right? And so he didn't bring us our food. Somebody, we had to ask somebody else for our water. And so really what happened is, is as soon as our order didn't benefit his end game, he kind of left us alone. He kind of didn't, He just said, you know what? I'm going to go to somewhere where it benefits me. And all of us would say, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, right? Because in business, that's what we do. Business means that you are going back and forth, right? And you're trying to meet with people who are going to be the most beneficial to your business. And I'm not hating on waiters. I'm not even hating on this guy. I get it. I get it. But he showed a little bit of partiality to us because he's like, listen, these guys aren't big spenders. I need to go to the person that's gonna order the seared mahi with a bottle of wine and get an extra dessert to go. Like, that's who I need to go to. 
And that wasn't us. And so when we think about this idea of favoritism, if you're a business owner, you know it. You don't, no, no business owner walks into a business meeting and goes, can I talk to the 20-year-old intern? No. You're going to talk, you want to talk to the CEO, you want to talk to the investor, you want to talk to somebody who's actually going to, to make a, a difference in your life when you meet them. And see, here's the idea. Favoritism is fine in business, but it's bad Christianity. Favoritism is fine in your business, but it's bad Christianity. Because again, all of us know that there's just got to be some, there's got to be some, some connections made and all those different ideas. But what James is about to tell us is, He's afraid it's creeping into the church. James chapter 2 is all about favoritism that's creeping into the church. And so here in James chapter 2, we see the idea open up with partiality. See, the same thing that the waiter did to us or somebody does in business, James does not want us to be. And so James chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this, My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the glorious faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing a, a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, stand over there or sit here on the floor by my footstool, haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So based on chapter 2, we're going to go all the way to verse 12. Based on these, I have three things that I want to just to share with you about favoritism. Three things. The first thing, we show favoritism in how we assign value. We show favoritism in how we assign value. Here's the idea, is that when we assign value, we usually look on the outside, we look on the outside, and I wrote three things down. These aren't the only three things that, but we assign value to people who are wealthy, who are beautiful, and who are famous. We assign value to these people, right? And if you don't believe me, think about the wealthy people who get all of the play, right? Right? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, uh, Warren Buffett, all of these guys, and you could probably name 20 more, but all of these Men and, and, and all these women, we give them all of this hype strictly because they have a lot of money. We put them on a pedestal. So when they speak, they listen. When they speak, we put them on TV and we, we, we elevate them. Same with people who are really good looking, right? And, and if you're a salesperson or you've ever been in sales, it's proven that pretty people make better sales. I don't know what to tell you. So if you're a bad salesman, that's not what I'm saying. But if you, if you are beautiful, you are elevated, right? People talk to you, they, they're kinder to you. Same with fame. Famous people get so much run. If you're on social media, just look at people's followers, right? Just look at people's followers. We assign value to these people. We assign value, but the question is, as James is bringing up, should we? Should we? Just because they have these attributes, does it make, it more, make them more valuable than you? Make them more valuable than our kids? And, and before we get too far ahead, the idea here is that within the original language, when James is talking about gold rings and things like that, he's actually not talking about literal gold rings that people are wearing as they come into church. He's talking about the type of person. He's talking about these are the type of people that when they come into church, 
We just show them a little favor, right? So if the guy pulls up in the new Tesla, right, gets out with a $1,000 hoodie and the new Jordans and things like that, and he's walking up, we're like, okay, okay, giving. I like this. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's got some. We think that, oh, he's going to put money in the, in the box and, and everything like that. And we, so we, we open the door for him. We bring him in. We, hey, why don't you sit right here? Can I get you anything? There's coffee over there. And that's fine. Friends, that is fine. But the idea here is, is if someone walks here and they don't look that great, and maybe they haven't showered, are we treating them the same? That's the question. Are we treating them the same? If you're a basketball fan like I am, I was disappointed in the results of the NBA Finals because I'm, I'm, I'm from the East Coast and I'm from the Northeast and I'm from... Boston, but it, and so if you are a, a basketball fan, you saw the Warriors won. The Warriors won the finals. Yeah, good, good, for, good for them. They need, it's about time they caught a break. You know what I mean? I just wish Steph Curry would just catch a break one of these days. But uh, So imagine this. Imagine this. We're outside. We're greeting. There's, there's cookies and there's sugar everywhere and people are smiling and Steph Curry and his family roll up. Some of y'all just got a little excited, right? Some of them are like, okay, Steph Curry's here. Phone's out. Boom, boom, boom. Guess who joined us at church? Steph Curry's here. You're like, bang. And I'm like, oh, I hope he comes sits next to me. Or, or maybe you're like, man, I, I didn't bring anything. I got to run home so he can sign something. Or, and and, and you're, you're, you're probably picking up my point, right? We would be so excited for Steph to walk in the room because as soon as he sat down, you're just hoping, oh, I hope he sits next to me. Because then maybe he'll like look at me and talk to me or something. And I'll be like, what's up, Steph? Nice shot. You know what I mean? I don't know. What did you say to Steph Curry? That's fine. But are we treating the person that walks in that doesn't have the status, are we treating them the same? And that's the, that's the idea that James brings up. How would we treat people? Because if Steph Curry walked in, we'd have it all over our social media. Guess who joined us at church today? Guess who sat next to me in church today? But what if the homeless person that sits out front of Walmart decided to come and they walked in? Would we invite them to sit with us? Would we invite them to grab a cup of coffee and sit down and ask them how things are going? Now, I'm not saying that all of us wouldn't, but this is what James is talking about. He's asking us, not to show partiality, not to show favoritism based on status. And how do you assign value in your life? How do you assign value to people? Maybe that is how you assign value. Maybe that's how people you think assign value to you, is I have to work in order to be famous, or I have to be more important in my life in order for people to like me or to be accepted. And we're going to get to it here in a minute, but God is saying, no, no, no. I assigned you value when I created you. I assigned you value when I created you. And if you're in this room and you've never heard the words come out of someone's mouth towards you, I want to help you out here. You're valuable. Every one of you, you are valuable. Not because I said it, but because God himself said it. So how do we assign value? That's one of the reasons, that's one of the ways we show it. Number two, favoritism and, how, and who we learn from. Let's keep reading in, in what James is saying. We're gonna read uh, five, six, and seven. It says, it says this, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, 
Didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you have dishonored the poor. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Don't they blaspheme the good name that was invoked over you? And you probably, if you're thinking like me, you're thinking, man, James really doesn't like rich people, right? He, he gets after wealthy people in these verses. And in those days, that's what was happening is the wealthy people were holding wages back from their, from their workers simply because they were greedy. And the wealthy people were taking people into court. And, they, and it wasn't that James hated wealth. He hated what it represented. And he goes to tell us this. He goes, Favorite, oh, excuse me, uh, listen to my dear brothers. Didn't God choose the poor in this world? And I think he uses this word very strategically to be rich in faith. He, he's talking about wealthy people and then decided to tell us that, listen, we need to listen to people not because they're wealthy, because God has given the poor a special kind of faith that maybe we could learn from. And my question is, who do you learn from? Are you, are you strictly somebody who's like, hey, listen, I, I kind of go to this person because they built a really successful business, uh, and so I kind of read anything they put out on the New York Times bestseller list, or, or I listen to this person because they have a podcast with about two or three million followers, so I kind of just breathe that in, and I want to just listen to, I want to listen to people who are successful. And God is saying, stop looking at people on the outside and thinking that that is the success I want you to do. Wealth is on the outside in what man can see. God is saying, here's my job for you. Go to somebody who maybe has the heart that is rich instead of the bank account that is rich. And, I'm, and again, I don't, I don't want to knock on people because I, I read Maxwell books or I read books that are, that are from people that are famous and successful. That's not what I'm saying. But James is just communicating to us, just make sure we don't, we don't value one or the other. And I, th- I, I, I think we do. I do. I do. And when we, when we, when we do that, we kind of we put people in a box. And, and so I, I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world. It has been one of the great joys of my life to be able to take, really, students on mission trips. I've, I've gone to Thailand. I've gone to China, Africa. You know, in Canada, I don't know if that counts, but we'll say it anyways, Canada, and, uh, and all over the world. I've, at Haiti, I've had the privilege. And one of the things that I, I didn't realize when I started going on missions trips is that I was going to, I thought I was going to bring people what they needed, right? The American way, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring people what they need, and, and, and then they're going to thank me for it. And every single time I went on a missions trip, I received way more than I ever gave. Um, I've had the opportunity to be in places that were with extreme poverty, obviously Africa, but I've never been to a place like Haiti. Haiti is, and I didn't know this, the missionary that was there that we were serving with, he said it's a fifth world country. You all know that that's a thing? I didn't know. I've, I've heard of third world countries, but Haiti is a fifth world country. That's how poor it is. And, and I remember thinking to myself as we got there and we were kind of learning what we were going to do. Um, you guys know the Christmas boxes that, we, that you make or Samaritan's Purse. Well, there's a ministry over in Haiti that has something similar. And so our Christian school in Orlando partnered with them. And, and so we were bringing the students over and we were going to go to these different villages and hand out these boxes. And they were full of stuff. And, and, uh, and so 
the whole time, the first time we, we were going to one of these trips, it was about a two-hour trip. I'm sitting in, the, uh, in the, the van or the transporter, whatever we were driving in, to go to this village. And I remember looking at the side of the road, and there were just people with four sticks and a tarp. And they were sitting around, they were talking, they were smiling. And, and I remember thinking to myself, and God just convicted my heart and I, 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 there's been a few moments that this has happened. It doesn't happen often, but I feel like God convicted my heart. And he said, stop having pity on these people and start having compassion. Because I thought, man, what if they had a really nice couch and a TV and they could watch it? And, and God's saying, no, 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 no. They're already happy. They don't need wealth to have status. And I remember we got to this village and when we stopped, we, we, we got out, and, uh, and we're giving out all these boxes, and somebody miscounted, it was probably me, somebody miscounted, and we didn't have enough boxes. Can you imagine? And I, 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 have, I was shown one of the greatest, greatest acts of selflessness I've ever seen. A little girl took her box that was made for a little girl, and gave it to a little boy who didn't have a box. These people had nothing, nothing. And that little boy with his Barbie and pink socks and frozen toothbrush lit up. He lit up, he was so happy. And I remember staring at that going, I am so selfish. Because I would have tried to maneuver my way. I, well, it's a girl's box. He's probably not going to like it. I'll just keep it. And, you know, I, she, you know he, he probably, I'll share it maybe. I can just share a little bit. And maybe that would make him happy and probably. But this little girl said, no, no, no. Here, you can have mine. No shoes on her feet. Hadn't bathed in a long time. That's what James is saying. That God has chosen the poor in this life to be rich in faith. And friends, just because someone's book is not on the New York Times bestseller, it does not mean we can't learn from them. I am living proof of men and women who you will never meet in your life of their impact. People that you don't know their names, but I stand here today because of their wisdom, because of their faith. And I'm sure all of you, if we pass the microphone around, would say the same thing. You would say the same thing to yourself. If, this was, if it wasn't for this person, I don't know where I'd be in my life. And that's what James is saying here. He's saying, listen, do not show favoritism in who we learn from. Just because someone doesn't have status does not mean they don't have something to offer. Because again, we assign value on the outside. But God assigns value on the inside. God assigns value faith. Number three, favoritism in our love. Favoritism in our love. Let's keep reading. Starting in verse eight, it says this, indeed, if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you are 
a lawbreaker. James illustrates this point by talking about the great commandment. James illustrates, he goes from, hey, I think that, the, that we're showing favoritism in our church. We need to stop doing that. Here's why. So he brings it all the way back to the great commandments, the Ten Commandments. And you're probably thinking, Josh, listen, if you've been in church a long time, like, hey, aren't we, why is James bringing up the law when it comes to Jesus? Jesus said we're all under grace and all those things, and James isn't bringing them up in order for us to follow the law, but James is bringing them up because all the law is wrapped up in what Jesus said. Love God and love others. And James takes this idea of favoritism and he takes it to another level that, frankly, I was like, man, this is tough, right? I mean, when you, when, if you were to list out the sins in your head, how long would it take you to get to the sin of favoritism that you commit? Right? It's probably pretty low. I know it's for me. It's probably pretty low that, listen, I, I, you know, I, I yell when I shouldn't. I get angry when I shouldn't. I eat too much. I, I, all of these things, and then I don't even know if I get to favoritism. And yet when we look at these verses, James elevates favoritism, and he puts murder and adultery in there. And he'd be like, James, take it easy. But he tells us, that the law is that if you break one, you've broken them all. That's the same thing Jesus said. Jesus said the same thing. He said, if you have broken, let's just use adultery, and he took it to another level, right? He said, hey, if you've committed adultery, and most of you be like, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I have never committed adultery. He goes, but if you've actually looked at a woman and thought those thoughts, you've committed adultery. So Jesus not only validated those Ten Commandments, he actually took them to a level that, I don't know, we, we, could, we can't meet. He took them to a level we can't meet. And then he, he lists out this one. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. No better way to illustrate that than the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, we are told this story. It's verses 29 and 37. We're not going to read it. If you want to read it when you go back, it's Luke 10, chapters, uh, chapter 10, verses 29 through 37. And if you've been in church enough times, you've heard this story. But even if you maybe have watched the news, and maybe this is your first time in church, and, uh, and you, you watch the news, and somebody does something kind, usually the news refers to them as a good Samaritan, right? This good Samaritan helped this lady that was going to walk out into the street, or this good Samaritan helped this kid before they crossed the road. All of those things is wrapped up in this story. And Jesus is talking to a lawyer who's asking him about the law. And he, he says, hey, Jesus, how, how do I need to be saved? And Jesus says, you need to follow the law. And the man says, you mean love God and love other people? And Jesus says, yes. He says, love your neighbor. And the, the lawyer goes, well, hey, Jesus, um, who's my neighbor? And Jesus goes into this story. And this story goes like this. There's a man walking down the road. This man gets robbed and beaten to within an inch of his life. He's laying there, he has nothing, and he's half dead. And it says that a priest came by. A priest, somebody who probably should have seen a need and met it, right? Someone like me, like a, a pastor of the day, saw and just said, you know what, I don't have time. And he kept walking. 
Then a Levite, somebody from a priesthood came. Saw him. I don't have time. And then Jesus says this, a Samaritan came by. And to me and you, that word Samaritan doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's just another person. But the, the, the crowd that is listening to Jesus here, they know this is a big deal. They showed Samaritans in the favoritism realm as lower than dirt. In fact, if the, the Jews had to go through, like they wanted to go here to over there, Samaria was in their way. Right? So the, the, the only thing that they could do to show Samaria how much they didn't like them is they would rather take the long route around Samaria this way and go all the way around just so they didn't have to step foot in Samaria. That's, that's some hatred. That's some favoritism. That's some partiality. They didn't, they didn't even think that they were people worthy of even stepping on their land. And Jesus says the person who helped them was this good Samaritan. And not only did the Good Samaritan give him his seat on his donkey, he, he took him into town. He gave him a hotel room. He walked up to the, the manager of the hotel and said, hey, uh, Mr. Manager, here's some money. I'll be back in a few days. Whatever this man needs, keep a tab, and I will pay you when I get back for whatever he needs. Not only did this man not walk by and say, hey, listen, here's some money. Hope you feel better. No, 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 he went out of his way to minister to this person to make sure he had a safe place to stay. Because love your neighbor as yourself means that whatever you would do for you, you should do for others. And I don't know about you, but I love myself. Right? I make sure myself eats. I make sure myself buys nice clothes. I make sure myself has a safe place to sleep at night. I love me some me. And Jesus says, the way you love you, love someone else that way. And that flies in the face of this Christianity that we have here. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too, friends. So please don't think that I'm trying to come at you with anything that I'm not guilty of too. But friends, we, we tell people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It's their fault they're there. What would you want somebody to do for you? And Jesus is just saying it's simply, just do that for them. If you're sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire, would you want someone to help you? If you are looking at somebody who just needs a meal, would you help? If you were looking at somebody who looks like they have eight kids and they're drowning and they're like, I just need a break, would you take their kids? Because you want somebody to take yours. And it's all wrapped up in this idea. See, the, the, the favoritism here is that who are we showing love to? We're showing love to the people that look like us? We're showing people love to the people that act like us? Are we showing love to the people that need it? So as James kind of elevates this idea of favoritism, as he level to the idea that, listen, no one would want to murder anybody. All of us are trying to avoid adultery. But this idea of favoritism, James is highlighting it here for all of us today. And so what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Because the fact is, is that the church should be the least 
the least place that people show favoritism. This should be the place where when someone walks in, it doesn't matter where you're from, what your wealth is, how you dress, you should be welcome. Come in, sit down. This is places for you. The first thing I want you to remember as we wrap this up, as we live this out, it says, is this, remember every person has intrinsic value. Now, I don't know if maybe, maybe that person is you need to be reminded of that. You have intrinsic value. But for some of us, we need to be reminded that all of, all of us have value to the God who created us. We're all in the same spot, and that's why the gospel is so beautiful. As Jesus followers, we have to change our thinking and how we see people. The church has to become a place where there's no partiality in how we see anyone that walks through our doors. And we have to ask ourselves hard questions. Are we kinder to someone of our own race? That's a hard question, but look inside. Because listen, there's grace for everyone here, but we have to be different. We have to, the church has to be somewhere that is not partial. Do we look more kindly on someone just based on their age? Do we look more kindly on somebody because they're, they're older or they, they're my age? Or do we look worse on somebody because they're a high schooler? You walk into a, a bunch of high schoolers, walk in the room, you're like, oh, gosh. We're not showing partiality or we're showing partiality. We're, do we look at people who are homeless different and asking for money? Do we look down at people with physical deformities? Do we give the cold shoulder to foreigners? All of these questions have to be asked and addressed in the church. James is crying out to us, friends, this ought not to be so. And that is why the gospel is so beautiful. And friends, if you're here for the first time, and maybe you've heard of God, you've heard of Jesus, you've heard of church, but you've never heard this idea that the God who created you gave you value. Because what makes something valuable is strictly this, what someone is worth, what someone is willing to pay for it, right? That's what gives something value. If someone is willing to pay for something, it's valuable. Right? If, if I have a, a really a nice new car, but someone's like, yeah, I'll give you 5000 for it, well, that's what it's worth. If you're trying to resell something and then you're like, hey, I want 10000 but someone's like, well, I'll give you six. That's what it's worth because that's what somebody paid for it. Friends, listen to me. The Bible says what you are worth is God himself. Jesus, who is God, left heaven, came to this earth, and died for you. He gave his life for you. So what are you worth? His life. And he did that because he loves you. He did that because at the foot of the cross, all of us are equal. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter if you're homeless or you have a, a, a 10,000 square foot home. It doesn't matter what car you drive. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear. Every one of us are equal at the foot of the cross. He sees us as saved and lost. 
And he says to every single one of us, I love you. I love you. And we have to make the decision to submit our lives to him, to to humble ourselves, whether we have tons of money or no money. We all come to God with open hands and say, God, I have nothing to offer you except me. And because it's me, you said I have value. And because I have value, you've died. And friends, listen, all you have to do, the Bible says, is accept this gift. Accept this gift of salvation. And if you've never done that, if you've never made that decision to put your faith and trust in the God who created you, the God who gave you value, can I just encourage you, today is that day. You are not here by accident. And if you've never done that, the Bible simply says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from this idea that I can do it. I can, I can get to heaven on based on my good works, based on the money I give, based on my status. God is saying, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's everything to do with your decision. So if you, if you want to make that decision today, you can do it right there. You can do it right in your, in your seat. And if you make that decision, we'd love to know about it. There's a decision card in your front of your, of your pew. You can write it down or you can go to our website, citywalk.cc, and we would love to, we'd love to hear about that. Those are for the people who maybe this is their first time in church and needed to hear that you have value. For the rest of us who have been Jesus followers, friends, listen to me very carefully, and this is, what, this is James's words. Partiality is sin. Partiality is wrong. And I mentioned it before, that it's fine in the business world, but may it never be okay here in the church. Partiality is sin. He, James equates it with this to adultery and murder. James sees this as a chief offense, and so should we. The law is wrapped up in two commandments, love God and love people. This idea of love is so much greater and bigger than just a feeling. It is an action. And true love always goes into action. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. And that's what he wants from us. Something to give. For those of us that are Jesus followers who have have been given this gift, he wants us to give it to somebody else. I just want to encourage you with this verse. What we do to the least of these, we do to Jesus. What we do to the least of these, we do to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, it says this, And the king will answer to them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The status that Jesus is giving to all of us is strictly based on his work, not ours. And when we offer something as simple as a cold drink of water, In Jesus' name, we are doing it on behalf of him. When we offer hope to somebody in Jesus' name, we're doing it for him. We're not doing it to build the church. He promised to build the church. We're doing it because we love people. One of the things I love about our church is, is Pastor Chris does not know who gives. 
He knows people give, but he, did, he doesn't go through the, the list of people and go, this person's only given this much. Some of you may be like, oh, man, I give a lot. Pastor Chris doesn't know. About... Friends, listen to me. I appreciate that. Because we don't want to assign value based on your giving. We assign value based on what Jesus calls value. And as we go out today, as we go out this week, this idea of partiality, may it be the church's job, us, to turn this world upside down simply by loving our neighbor. Just meet a need. Just meet a need. It may not be very significant in your eyes, but I promise you, it is significant. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have, through your word, really told us something that maybe some of us thought we really didn't struggle with. But as we think through this idea, maybe we found out that we do. Lord, for the, the person who is just researching Jesus and maybe here for the first time to all of us who have maybe been in church our whole lives or, or 15 years or five years, there is grace for all of us. And Father, I, I want to just stop and pray for the person in this, in this room who maybe is searching for you. If you're in this room and you're searching for some, and you're searching for Jesus or you came investigating Jesus, thank you for coming. You are welcome here. We're glad that you came. And if that's you today and you have made a decision to put your hope, your faith, and your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to forgive you of your sins, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate with you. It's the first step of many steps. And so come talk to one of the pastors. Come talk to me or Pastor Chris or Luke after the service. We'd love to talk to you and just encourage you. Maybe you have more questions. Maybe you didn't put your faith and trust in Jesus. You're like, Josh, I have some more questions before I do that. Come talk to us. The Next Steps table is a place that you can go. If you have questions about faith. For those of us who are Jesus followers in the room, I pray that something will be different about us this week, including me. Lord, this is only doable through your strength. This is only doable because you've given us the power to love people that maybe some people would deem unlovable. But Lord, give us the grace and the mercy and the generosity and the love that we need to show people that you've given them value. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.